Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. And it is that time of the year. We started a new year, 2023. And so we always like to do a reflection on the previous year. So this episode we will be giving our top 10 favorite films of 2022. going to skip over the news for this week because a lot has happened since our recent episode but we'll save that for a later time because what i really want to talk about is all the box office magic that has been always what you want to talk about while yeah. we were away oh for hit sure me with it hit me with it so i'm not sure how Hello. much you've been paying attention to it while i've been paying quite break. a bit of attention you have okay great. for sure so this won't be a sudden shock for you, but it is great for me and not so great for you and just beautiful for Big Jim, James Cameron, that Avatar The Way of Water has done it again, just like the first Avatar. It has gone on a crazy box office run, fantastic legs, and we're going to go through each of the weeks that we were on break and talk about those fantastic box office numbers. So last time we reported on the Christmas weekend, which had 63 million, which was a 52% decrease from its first weekend. But remember, during Christmas weekend, there was a huge winter storm that hit the whole country and certainly put mm-hmm. the Northeast and the Midwest out of commission. So, and then Christmas, when it falls on the weekend itself, usually that means more subdued. Uh, box office numbers because on Christmas Eve most people aren't going to the theaters but in week three we saw not just a great hold but a record-breaking increase to 67 million for December 30th to January 1st in Avatar's week of release that is fantastic not done before by any film that has released that opened to over 100 million so that is amazing. Week four, January 6th to the 8th, it made 45 million, which was just a 32% drop. And it was able to just eke past Top Gun Maverick to secure the second best fourth weekend ever. And do you want to guess what the first best fourth weekend ever, what film had that? Was it the first Avatar? It sure was. Yeah. There you go. James Cameron can only be beat out by James Cameron. And this most recent weekend, week five of its release, January 13th to the 15th, it had 32 million, which was a 28% drop. And once again, second best hold, second best of the fifth weekend release, beaten out only by Avatar. So to put all that in perspective, 560 million domestic and 1.9 billion worldwide. This weekend, it will cross $2 billion. I just want to say that domestically, it is ending up about where I thought it would be. 
I want to say that this is what I predicted it to end up around domestically. Which was what? Internationally. What do you think think its final domestic numbers will be? I said around six to seven hundred million. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's right. That's what I said. But worldwide. (laughs) But internationally, it definitely exceeded my expectations. It sure did. You said 1.3 billion? 1. 1.3, 1. 1.4, right? I said I gave it 1.5. Mm, I did. I'm not sure about that. I mm. did. I said 1.5 was the ceiling. And I said 1.5 was the floor. And I was rooting for it to get to 2 billion. And it, it is going to be able to join it's gonna the do 2 it. Billy Club. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Congratulations, amazing. Ryan. But it was not just that film in my roster that had mm-hmm. an amazing run over the holidays. Another film in my roster puss in boots the last wish also did gangbusters so again last time we reported on it in its debut it made 12.4 million but week two what happened 16 million a 35 percent increase i can't believe it crazy week three 13.5 million which is still bigger than the debut and then week four 14.4 million an increase from week three and still it grossed more than did in the opening weekend. That is crazy stuff. I can't believe it. And what's that, more, that's it, the one that surprises me more than Avatar. I know. I mean, that's just fantastic. The word of mouth is off the charts for it. What's yeah. even crazier is it's also on premium video on demand right now. Like for week four, yeah. it was on PVOD, but people were still going out to the theaters to watch it. That's yeah. amazing. It has now crossed 100 million domestic and it will continue to have amazing holds throughout the rest of January and internationally worldwide. Like it's made over 250 million at this point. So thankfully by the time we'll count all the final tallies for the box office recap of 2022, it will be over 300 million. So that is lovely to see. All right. And in terms of box office numbers that weren't in either of our rosters over the holiday break, we had Megan come out, the horror movie. Uh, it had a 30 million opening. And in its second week after that opening weekend, it made 18.3 million. That is the first hit of the year. That's pretty good. That's more than I thought it would make. I know. I mean, that is truly astonishing. Yeah. Like, I mean, horror movies movie. usually do pretty well when they're released out of the, the Halloween area considering like like being released and being the only horror movie out there they usually do pretty well so i'm not too surprised megan got these numbers still a little higher than i thought it would be i would have guessed like 23 opening i mean even that is amazing yeah but yeah to pretty get good. 30 million in its opening is bonkers it's already been uh given the green light for a sequel so oh, jesus megan too you can expect that the megan years exactly and then another film showcasing just how healthy the box office has been during this holiday season, A Man Called Otto, made $12.8 million in its first week of wide release, which is also insane because it's just, it's an adult drama starring Tom Hanks, yeah. and that was enough to bring a bunch of people into the theaters. Yeah. That is super impressive. I wonder what the budget was in that movie. I, I don't know, but I mean... twelve point eight is pretty good. Yeah, he was able to still use that star power and bring people in. Yeah, Tom Hanks always sells seats. You know who else sells seats? Gerard Butler. Kind of. 
because his movie Plane came out. It had a 10 million debut, which of course is not amazing, but considering what the movie is of a C action thriller with Gerard Butler, Mm -hmm. not bad. It is not bad. So yeah, it was able to crack double digits over Martin Luther King weekend. So fantastic for all those films we mentioned. Looking ahead to next week, we have the film Missing, which is a spinoff standalone sequel to Searching. That film that you might remember was told entirely through digital device screens. Yeah, I remember the movie. I saw that in theaters. You did see it in theaters. Wow. Yeah. Will you be seeing Honestly, Missing not bad. No, I won't be. Okay. I still don't like the idea. Like, I don't like the platform of it. I've seen two of those movies in theaters. Now I watch uh, Searching and then one of the dark web ones, the horror ones. The mm-hmm. second one, I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what the name of it is. But uh, I don't, I still am not a fan of that method of storytelling. Searching was good. I think it was a good movie. I think it would have been better if it wasn't told in the medium it was told in. So I probably will not go see Missing for the exact reason that I wasn't going to see Searching originally, but ended up seeing it anyway. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't like it. I'm just not a fan. Gotcha. That's fair. Uh, what do you think it'll get in its opening weekend? Eight. Eight million. That's exactly Eight what million. I was going to go for. Really? Yeah. Up top. We're, we're sinking together. <laughs> exactly. The more episodes we do, the more on on in line our, our predictions are going to be. We'll see if it if we nail it on the head. Yeah. We report next week, eight million. I mean, I'll just be beautiful. Beautiful yeah. synergy. It, it means 2023 is off to a good start for our predictions, for sure. Exactly. Okay. Let's get into our our main discussion. Yes. We're going to be recapping our top 10 movies of last year. Now, before we get into it, Ryan, comparing this to other times we've done this, because we've done this, what, this is our third time doing this now? Recapping the year? Yes. How do you think this year holds up to the years in the past in terms of movies that you've liked? So, last year, when we were doing a 2021 list, of course, because we were still coming out of the pandemic, things were still very weird with film releases. So that year, I think it was a little bit tougher to get the top 10 mm-hmm. list. Yeah, for sure. This year, I think it was much harder to figure out what I had to leave out of the top 10 list. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with my list. I think there were a lot of great films that did come out in 2022. Um So, yeah, it wasn't like I was having to go through and find some film to just throw in there that I Mm -hmm. enjoyed more than the rest. These are all films that I am truly passionate about. So, yeah, I think it was a good year overall for cinema. How about you? For me, in the past, it's always been like there have been shining stars that stood above the rest really Mm -hmm. highly. And I really, really like them a lot more than all the other ones. This year in particular, there isn't as many like shining stars. So it was a little it wasn't it wasn't very hard to pick movies to put in the top 10. It was hard to rank them mm. because they're all a little bit closer together in terms of my enjoyment as to as opposed to years past where it's very clear like oh Parasite's definitely going to be number 1. You right. know, something like that or oh uh Drive My Car is definitely number 1. Like it's it's definitely harder to pick because there are movies that are a lot closer this year. So it was a little hard to rank uh, some of these movies really came in under the wire here. I'll get into that in a bit, but uh, yeah, I, I think it was a good year for cinema. 
I don't think it was a great one. I was a little, there were a lot more disappointments this year than uh, I thought there were going to be, which was sad. Right, and we'll get yeah. into that too. At the beginning of the year, it did seem like it would be a true fantastic year. But yeah, as things came out, uh, mm-hmm. some misfires were included. But there For were some sure. very major happy surprises. So mm-hmm. that's great too. It all balances out. But yeah, to your yeah. point about ranking the list, it was more in the middle of my list where I was having difficulty figuring out where I would place some of these films. Mm-hmm. And only recently, like only in the last couple of days, did I do a major switch. Because for the longest time, I thought I was like, okay, it's going to be like this order for these three films. But just thinking more on it, I had to had to switch some things around. So mm-hmm. yeah, last minute switch to the ranking. But for the most part, my top films were solid. Like I knew what those were going to be. Yeah. Um, and various films I knew were going to make the top 10. It was just, yeah, as you said, there were certain clumps of films that I was like, okay, what are the criteria yeah, I'm using to yeah. put one what of them What makes together. this slightly better than, than this, you know? Exactly, yeah. Um, I think so, yeah. I think at the end of the day, it came down to my personal in-the-moment enjoyment. Because most mm-hmm. of these, almost all of them I watched in theaters. Some of them I watched at home. And uh, I think overall, it's just how I left the theater or how I left watching something at my house and how that felt. That's really what came down to what got placed where, mm-hmm. as opposed to what I think is genuinely a quality film or not. Right. But we'll get into it. Do you want to go first? I'll let you you punch out yours first. Sure. Well, first, before we get to our top 10, we got to mention some blind spots. Oh, of course. Which are those films that we wanted to see that we think might have had a chance to end up on our top 10 list. Mm-hmm. But sadly, we weren't able to get to it this year. Yeah. So for me, there are just a couple that I wasn't able to get mm-hmm. to. RRR. Which I know oh, is on yeah. Netflix and could be, I could see it there, but I really wanted to get that theatrical experience. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. with Oscar season that it gets a big nod for like foreign film. Mm-hmm. And so it'll come back in theaters for a limited time and I can see it there. If it does, I'll go with you. Yeah. Cause I mean, that like three hour huge blockbuster epic That'd be that awesome. needs to be in the theaters. So yeah. I, I specifically chose to wait and not see that at home and try and get that theatrical experience mm-hmm. decision to leave which breaks my heart that i wasn't able to see it you and i weren't able to see it um yeah that one was one i was desperately hoping to see but during yeah. the time when it was in theaters it was the same time when a lot of other limited films were in theaters and when i was very busy at the moment and once mm-hmm. i was my schedule cleared i looked at all the show times and it was gone it was completely gone so Sadly, I missed that. Um, and then after Sun and after Yang, two different films mm-hmm. that have also been getting a lot of love. I heard uh, many mm-hmm. great things about them and sadly wasn't able to catch either of those. So those are my blind spots. What about the films for you that you wanted to see but just weren't able to? So in terms of like movies that I wanted to see that I thought would actually possibly make the top 10, because there's a few where I'm like, I wanted to see it, but it definitely wasn't going to end up on a top 10 list anywhere for me. I just kind of wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of ones that could have actually made it, I think Triangle of Sadness had a shot, and I, I just just didn't get a chance to see it. And I was really upset because it, it left theaters the, the week I was going to go and make time to watch it, and I was very sad. I kept seeing the posters for it at the Regal whenever I went, and I was like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, and then I just completely missed it. I might rent it on Amazon Prime. 
I get the chance. Uh, other than that, women talking again, just didn't get a chance to see it. I mean, it was in theaters for such a short time in very rare theaters, very yeah. limited, very hard to find. And I just couldn't make the time to see. It. I've been just so busy. And then Babylon is another one. That one was like, it was out plenty that I had multiple chances to see it and I definitely could have. And I just didn't. And that's really upsetting because I do love Damien Chazelle and I wanted to watch it. And I don't know if it could have made the top 10 because I've heard mixed things about it. But I mean, it's Damien Chazelle it definitely has a shot. I love Damien Chazelle. I mean, there's always a chance that it'll get there. So I was really sad that I didn't get to see that. Uh, RRR, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to see that. I would love to see that in theaters the same way that you said. I did not know it was on Netflix. And if I did know that, I probably would have watched it in anticipation for this. But I don't know if I, don't know if I could have found time this week to watch a three-hour movie. <laughs> I mean, that was a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I think in terms of blind spots, that's about it. There's a couple of other ones that I wanted to watch, but they wouldn't have made the top 10. Like, I don't think She Said would have made the top 10. I don't think Till or Bardo or Empire of Light would have made the top 10, but right, definitely yeah. wanted to watch those. True. Sad. Very true. But okay. So that covers the blind spots. And before we jump into the top 10 list, let's make some room for honorable mentions mm-hmm. ones that got close within striking distance but sadly were left out of the top 10 what are some honorable mentions for you so the way i did my list is i i just listed out all the movies that i liked that i thought could be in a top 10 list of the year and then i went through and i ranked them and there was like mm-hmm. there was 13 movies so three of them got edged out oh okay and the one that just barely got edged out today that just got pushed out my number one honorable mention was All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, yeah. I did it was see that. really good. It was very good. I really liked it. I wish I could have seen it in theaters, but it was a Netflix thing. True. But it was very, very entertaining, very well made, very shocking, very horrifying. Really, really good. Barely made it. Barely got squeaked out. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad to see that it got squeaked out, but it did, you know. Other than that, The Northman, I mean, I just, I still think it's great. I watched it in Dolby. I thought it was awesome. I had a good time with it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, which was a little disappointing. I thought it was going to be a little bit more, um, I don't know what the right word is, but a little bit more like metaphorical Robert Eggers kind of thing and a little bit less Mm -hmm. action. Not that the action was bad. I just was going into it with the expectation that we were going to get something very trippy and odd and intense, kind of like The Lighthouse. And it ended up being a little bit more clean cut uh, action thriller, revenge thriller with a little bit of some uh, odd things in there but i still liked it i thought it was good i thought the end where they're fighting the volcano awesome speaking of volcanoes i forgot a blind spot fire of love oh yeah i didn't get to watch it i wanted to watch it today and i couldn't didn't have time that one i missed that one i mean if if i get a chance to amend my top 10 list maybe if we have a time in the next episode i feel like that's the one that's probably gonna end up on there because i wanted to watch it so bad and i just didn't get a chance and then the last honorable mention was the Fablemans. I mean, mm. I don't think it was ever going to end up on a top 10 list. It's just not not what I thought it was going to be. A little bit disappointing, but definitely still good and enjoyable and could have if there were not a few movies that I had watched under the wire the last second that took the spot. Gotcha. It is what it is. What about you? All right. So my list, in no particular order, these are just ones that 
just at one point earlier in the year, maybe I put them in the tentative top 10 list. And then as I watch more things, they just sort of dropped out. Um, So I have The Northman, just like you. Uh, The film X, which I think is one of those other films that you wanted to see. I did, and I missed it. Yeah. Um, But that one I really really enjoyed. Yeah, Pearl 2. But yeah, for me, X was definitely the better one of that little Mm -hmm. trilogy we got going on and i am looking forward to the conclusion maxine this year Mm. um kira and the Jinn, which is a film i'm sure you have not heard of i don't know what that is egyptian film um that deals with like the revolution of them trying to get independence from the british empire and that one i think is it's got some really solid action a lot of great clever bits that are in there it's also a three-hour thing like it's Whoa, the shit. egyptian rrr equivalent basically nice. um but i think just the same way with a lot of what the praise has been for rrr it's mm. a very refreshing sort of blockbuster approach that hollywood doesn't really do anymore so that film mm. was a nice one that i was able to catch um this one I like the least of all the honorable mentions, but just because it's another thing that I don't think has been on a lot of people's radar. Mm. Benediction. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is about um, a poet in World War One, and it deals with him adjusting to life afterwards. Mm. The main point about this that struck me was the dialogue in it. It has that amazing, witty crackling dialogue that is just so fun to listen to um and so yeah that one was a really compelling piece then my final two honorable mentions just left out of the top 10 banshees mm-hmm. of Anishirin. no way yeah it didn't make it in it did not again wow as i mentioned briefly in my review before you had gotten a chance to see it i think was uh in a grab bag I talked about really liking it. Again, the dialogue also in this film is on point. It's darkly Mm -hmm. funny. The performances are fantastic. But there was something about that third act, like that Mm -hmm. ending that just didn't click with me. Was it satisfying? Yeah. I imagine if it had clicked with me, if it did have like all that emotional heft that it was trying to, then it certainly would be in the top 10. But there's just something about it that petered off for me Mm -hmm. um, and sort of soured me on the whole thing. So it, it got dropped off. Did you ever watch In Bruges? I did not. It's a very similar kind of dark comedy thing. Like, this is his return to that kind of, I think, mm-hmm. very, very sincere kind of darkly comic kind of thing. But it also has, like, a very satisfying conclusion. So I think you'd probably like that one a lot more. Gotcha. Uh, and then the final honorable mention, which also may be a shock, is Tar. Wow, yeah. didn't make the list. I saw that just this week. The past you couple fucked days. Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Her Damn. performance is fantastic, of course. Stellar. And there's a lot of, like what I can say about the film, it was very intellectually stimulating. Uh-huh. I was engaged on that level. Yeah. It's just maybe more on the emotional level. I don't think it was quite at what I was hoping for out of it. But it's so incredibly written. It has, I'm sure you'll talk about this if it appears on your mm-hmm. list i imagine it will but it has that that approach where we're thrown into this world of classical music mm-hmm. and it does not try to hold our hand at all like we're yeah. just thrown into it 
It has all these elite geniuses in their field talking all this jargon, making all these references to mu- musical things or people that have been in that field. And mm. you just have to give yourself over to it and go along with the ride. And then as it slowly un- reveals and unravels mm. what it's really about at its core, I think all of that is tremendously well done and well executed. I think it's just one of those films that I have to ponder for a lot longer and maybe see it for a second time to truly appreciate mm. everything that's going on there. And just because I've seen it so recently compared to some of these other films, I don't know that I can put it on the top 10 yet. Um, yeah. I don't know if it has that staying power that some of the other ones have had. So it is just outside of the top 10, but mm. there could be just like you're saying, like we made a revised list later down the road after yeah. I've seen it a second time or, have talked more about it with people just because I haven't like been able to have any conversations and we haven't had a show on it. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion on it might change. And in my, did you watch it in theaters? Or did you watch it at home? I did not. I so desperately want to see it in theaters, but no, I couldn't. So I had to, I ended up watching it. It is a very different thing in theaters because there's no escaping it. Like you I can't imagine, pause yeah. it. You can't go get food. You can't take a break. You're just there for two and a half hours. You're just watching and you have to watch it. And it's silent in the theater. So mm-hmm. it's like a different thing, and that probably affected my viewing of it, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, for sure. But okay, that brings us to our top 10 lists. And yeah. we always start out, we'll just do the first 10 through 6, and then move mm-hmm. on to the rest in chunks. Um, but yeah, for the first few films on your list, 10 through 6, start us off, Dylan. All right. All right, here we go. Number 10. This one's for you, Ryan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water. Oh, yes. Big Jim representation. It was close. It was it was between this and All Quiet on the Western Front. front. It was very, very close. I think if I had watched All Quiet on the, on the Western Front in theaters instead of at home on Netflix, it might have squeaked it out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's Avatar. It's awesome. You've all listened to our Avatar episode, I'm sure. I mean, you know, it's just, it's awesome. It's epic. It's big. It's huge. It's thrilling. It's exciting. The characters have good arcs for the most part. The The story isn't as grand as the first one, but it still has a lot of gravitas. It sets up a third movie really well. And I had fun. I had a good time watching it. Other than my head hurting from the glasses, the 3D glasses. <laughs> True. I did have a good time. So I'm going to give Avatar The Way of Water a very brief number 10 spot. I'm not going to delve too deep into it. Especially because we, the last episode we did was Avatar: The Way of Water. Yeah, so if you want to know my full yeah. thoughts, go go listen to that episode, and you'll hear everything. But it's a good it's a good number ten. Mm-hmm. Number nine, I just changed this Ooh. as we were talking. Number nine is Tar. Wow. It was higher on the list, and I brought it down. Really? Oh wow. I think the reason I brought it down was because of all the metaphors and like the thriller things they're trying to add into it that I don't quite get. Perhaps if I watched it more, like you said, I might be able to piece it together, but it just felt like something that was thrown in that doesn't quite make sense. And I hate that. I hate when people try to take something that's already smart and make it a little extra more smart, but without thinking it through. Sure. And it's just like, what does it mean? What is it for? What does it do? It just... I mean, the only thing that it could do is put you more in her headspace, which is good enough, I guess. But I feel like there needs to be more of a reason for some of the choices that are being made to make it more thrilling. 
Mm-hmm. That being said, I mean, I just had a great theatrical experience watching this as well. I mean, just watching it unfold. I've got I've got Ezra on my left who's annoyed because of the, all the musical jargon. I've got Carlos on my right who's asleep, and then on the <laughs> other side of Carlos is Issa, and Issa and I are just eating up the drama. Like it's 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 so much fun to watch, just because it starts off just being really slow and just about music and about this lady being pretentious and talking about music and i liked that i liked that that's what it was and i was game to watch two and a half hours of that like i was like we could just do that and then as it as the onion opens up and starts to reveal more and more about what the story actually is and about what is going on with her and in, in her personal life and who she is as a person i mean just the drama of that being so being placed so far into the background that's almost you could almost miss it such an interesting choice and i love it i absolutely it's like a biopic it's like it's like an anti biopic it's it's like you're trying to tell the, this life story of this person but then reality is picking away at the story that you're trying to tell and slowly creeping in about how terrible they are in real life mm-hmm. and i just loved it i thought it was so much fun I thought the ending was crazy when she just ends up in the Philippines. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was. I mean, just <laughs> that was a great some way. To bizarre, end. yeah, bizarre choices. Good ending, good beginning, good middle with the thriller stuff, and great ending. Just because it's just so bizarre. So yeah, I do really like it, but I brought it down on the list intentionally because I was staring at my list while you were talking. Mm-hmm. And I could see the movies that were above it that I'm about to say. And I was like, I just, I don't know if I could say it's better than these movies. I don't right. know if I can, I can make the argument that I liked it more than Avatar, but the other ones, I don't know, man, I had fun with it, but I think number nine is a good spot. I think, I, yeah, I think, I think I've made the right call. Put it again, number nine. That's interesting though. Have we had a sudden change in the ranking as i think i do it every year oh you do it every (laughs) i think i do change it up every year because i make my lists kind of last minute they're always in my head and then i write them down like the day of and then move things around Mm -hmm. and then usually when we're recording i'll move something around and be like you know what change my mind right i do that for this i do that when we do our drafts i always change things around last minute makes it more exciting because because then i go into it not even knowing what the top 10 is going to be for me so it's always a surprise for me as well Exactly. So you would say, unlike Lydia Tarr, your mm-hmm. exploration is not in the rehearsal, but in the performance. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> the rehearsal is simply for my own my own edification, my own practice, whereas the art is truly in what happens in the moment, living in the moment. Beautiful. Riveting. Yeah. Number eight. I'm excited about this one. Top Gun Maverick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean just just the pinnacle of thrills of the year for sure. Best action movie of the year by far. Totally awesome. Epic. Everything I wanted it to be. A perfect sequel to the original. I mean they're just they're hitting all the right notes of combining nostalgia with originality and blending that together and then creating this awesome story. Tom Cruise is great. Miles Teller is great. All the supporting cast is great. I mean, they're all just killed. Jennifer Connelly is great. The weird scene they have together is great. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is just so well done, so well executed. 
And also just a surprise, just, just the biggest surprise of the year, for sure. The biggest positive surprise, that is, I will say. Yeah. For sure, like, came out of nowhere, killed the box office, killed the critics. I mean, I just didn't think it was going to be this good. It's going to be nominated for Best Picture, which just blows my mind. I just was totally blown away. Just a big, I love when I'm surprised. I'm, I love when I'm surprised about something positive. And that's, mm-hmm. this, is, this is that movie. This is that surprise movie, that positive surprise movie. Number that's seven. Beautiful. Number seven. Nope. Oh, interesting. I okay. went with nope. I, I loved it. I, I still love it. I love everything about it. I think the idea is really well done. I don't think it's as flawless as Get Out for sure, mm-hmm. but it's just cool. It's cool. It's different. It's unique. It's, it's the action is yeah. it's original. The action is definitely there, and it's not overthought like Us was. Us was a little like overthought. Like too much thought was put into it, and it was a little bit strung out because of that. But Nope is like, let's just do something cool. Let's just make something cool. Put good action in it. Be let's just do good filmmaking and make something awesome. The performances are really good. I love the dynamic between Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya. I love Stephen Ewan in it. I mean, it's all just all the all the elements were there, and then they linked together really well. Don't think it's flawless. I wish I could have put it higher on the list. I wish I, I could honestly, have put it closer to one. I thought I knew it was giving a list. I thought it was going to be higher on your list. Yeah, I wish I could have. I wish I could have, but it just didn't quite make it. Not yeah, quite. It makes me interested to see what else is on your list. What came above it? Oh, uh, you're going to be so surprised. There's some there's some big surprises coming your way on my so. list. Interesting. So what's number six? Number six, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Wow. Okay. I was able to watch it last week before the Golden Globes, and then it won the Golden Globe. And honestly, I'm riding the Guillermo del Toro train right now. It's great. It's honestly phenomenal. It's one of it's one of the best stop motion things I've ever seen. I mean, just pure art. Everything everything in that movie is just so like it's it's just like you could you could pause it at any moment and it's just a piece of art. Like it's artwork. It's gorgeous. Everything about it is gorgeous. The vocal performances are really really well done. The story is really really well told. It, it leans into the darkness of fascism and capitalism really really well. And it's just it's beautiful. It's a it's beautiful story, beautiful follow through. Really funny at moments, really dark and sad and and scary at moments. The, the imagery, like every Guillermo del Toro movie, the imagery is just so vivid and so well thought out and so planned that it's just perfect. It's perfect. And I'm a sucker for stop motion animation. Always have been. Fantastic Mr. Fox is still one of the best movies ever made. Uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is fantastic. Coraline is fantastic. I'm just mm-hmm. a real big sucker for stop motion. I mean, I, I remember making little stop motion Lego videos as a kid. You know, it's just fun to do. It's fun to imagine. It's fun to work on. And seeing such expertise get brought into this for his being his first animated film. Beautiful. Amazing. Comparing this to the Tom Hanks Pinocchio. Crazy. It's crazy. They came out the same year and such different quality. It's absolutely insane. And just, I mean, just so beautiful. So amazing. Hugh McGregor is fantastic as Jiminy Cricket. Ah, did you get a chance to watch Pinocchio? Well, about that, my number 10 film is... Oh, shit. Pinocchio. Oh, shit. What by a good Robert segment. Zemeckis. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I wasn't able to see Del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, my God. But I'm, amazed, I'm glad to hear that you 
loved it so much. I mean, I might you have, have to, to watch it. Oh, it's so it good. Yeah, it's that so one good. I've heard many good things about. If you had said Robert Zemeckis has been on you, I swear to <laughs> God, I would have driven over to your house and smacked you on the head. <laughs> That'd have been so funny. Okay, but before we move on to mine, so what was where was Tar originally? Tar was an original. Tar was originally number eight, so it was in uh, Nope spot, and then Nope was pushed down. I mean, not eight, seven. It was Nope spot, and then everything was pushed down. So it was gotcha. Avatar, Top Gun, Nope, Tar, Pinocchio. But then I pushed Tar down. Gotcha. Okay, makes sense. All right. I think looking at it now, it looks better now for sure. It looks more accurate. Nice. Very nice. Okay. Now on to my number ten. It is not any sort of Pinocchio. But it is an animated film with a particular type of animation style. It is Apollo 10 and a half. Ah, oh, I never got to watch this one. I know. You remember way back in an earlier grab way, back of the year. Way back. We were talking about it. And it's quite fitting given we just had a recent episode on Before Sunrise, Richard mm-hmm. Linklater. Yeah. And so his most recent film, Apollo 10 and a half, is just such a lovely, endearing slice of life film. Mm-hmm focused on a childhood in Houston in the late 60s as the space race is going on and right about to hit its peak with the moon landing. And, I mean, you know, Linklater just loves to showcase life. And it's beautiful to see this childhood, this sort of portrait of memory and imagination being told through this, like, rotoscope-style animation. It makes it unique but also i think it fits in really well with that idea of looking back on your past and then this child's extremely vivid imagination as he thinks of the nasa people coming to him and telling him that they need him to go on this mission with the lunar module that they made too Mm -hmm. small for an adult so it has to be a kid like that sort of premise is just beautiful Um, but so much of the film doesn't even revolve around that it just revolves around his kid and his family just going about their life in the late mm-hmm. 60s and getting to see that happen as someone who obviously is far removed from that time period. It's just really cool to look at all the little idiosyncrasies of life back then and see what has changed or what is really familiar and has mm-hmm. stuck around. Um, Jack Black is the narrator for it. That's he's awesome. fantastic. So yeah, it's just a unique film. It's a nice, heartwarming cozy film Apollo 10 and a half all right my number nine film which is one I don't think you saw either seems Mm. like you didn't care to even have it on your radar but Mm. for me it was one I had to go see to support an actress I'm a big fan of Mm. and it turned out to be a really nice pleasant surprise of how Mm. good it was the woman king Ah, uh, yeah. I did not. Mm-hmm. I did not care to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it worked really well. It's reminiscent of those old school historical epics that That's Hollywood cool. just does not make anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of them. I mean, we had on a Ridley Scott episode, we talked about Gladiator, and I'm much uh, bigger yeah. fan of that than you. But yeah, yeah like sure. those sorts of films, Gladiator, Braveheart, all that stuff. This feels reminiscent of that. It takes creative liberties with the real life stories, much like those films do. But of course it is still, I think it offers a lot. It offers something for everyone. I think it has really strong action. It has Mm -hmm. political intrigue within the Royal court, which, you know, I just eat that stuff up. 
Yes, it has did. romance. It has mysterious backstories. It has a coming of age element and sort of oh. a camaraderie with all the trainees, like the women soldiers that are um, being trained. Mm-hmm. So all of that is great. And of course, Viola Davis, just an amazing actress. Her I performance mean, here Davis. is undoubtedly, I mean, yeah, you knew going in, it was going to be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, um, you know. And I'm surprised it's more of an ensemble piece than I expected, but I was surprisingly okay with that because all the other characters that they have mm-hmm. um, that Viola Davis shares screen time with, they're all really strong and yeah. they hold their own in the acting department. So The Woman King, number nine. All right. Okay, number my eight. number eight film is one of the blind spots that you had. You'll definitely have to go and see it because... Can I guess? You can. Is it Triangle of Sadness? It is not, actually. Fuck! It is Fire of Love. Ah, yes. God damn. I almost watched it today. I almost had time. (laughs) Well, you can watch it. You'll have to after this. If I did, did, though, Avatar wouldn't have been on the list. It would have gotten pushed out. Dang. So maybe it's better that I didn't watch it. Maybe. Although, I mean, yeah, I think you will love it a lot tell me about it and maybe it would end up on your top 10 you never know so it's a a documentary of two volcanologists they study volcanoes they share that love for that you know geological entity and they also love each other but there's that interesting tension between how they care for each other and then how much they care for that shared love of volcanoes that continuously puts them at risk in order for them to study it and continue their line of work. And so it's just a really fascinating documentary that goes into their relationship, goes into all the contributions they made to our understanding and awareness of volcanoes and the cinematography in this, mm-hmm. like the images that these two volcanologists were able to capture. Mm-hmm. It's just breathtaking. It is some of the Damn. best shots I have seen this year and seen ever. It's amazing. Like they have the big money shot on the poster, but seeing that in motion is just, oh, it's so amazing. Awe-inspiring stuff. So yeah, Fire of Love, my number eight. Mm -hmm. My number seven. Hit me with it. Dum, dun, 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 dun. Dun. So it is the Batman. You really liked it that much? Yes, I oh, did. Man. So let me tell you, because we did have an episode on this as well. You and I are both yeah. big Batman fans. I think he's oh, your favorite superhero. Oh, for sure. He's my it's number Batman. two favorite superhero. Who's your number one? Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. Scappy Spidey. But yeah, Batman nah, is Batman. right there. I mean, they're pretty much neck and neck. I love them both so much. Sure. And this film, I was hesitant about it only because i mean we've seen so many batman iterations Mm -hmm. what more can they do how can they have this fresh perspective yeah and they certainly were able to give us a new fresh take on batman it delves more into him as a detective it was an earlier version of the character so he doesn't even bother with putting on the mask of bruce wayne he's Mm -hmm. just fully batman um and i think that was a really fascinating approach I think Robert Pattinson does really well in that role. I love the arc that Matt Reeves takes him on of having his 
motivations and methods be essentially the same ones that the villain adopts. And they're basically one in the same and trying to use vengeance as a tool and being purely focused on that. And so he realizes that he has to change and become something better, represent something better for Gotham than just being a tool of vengeance. So all of that is fantastic. It's also, I mean, can you think of any other superhero film that looks better than this? No, it looks pretty great. It is just, yeah, it looks gorgeous. The atmosphere that Reeves and everyone involved is able to construct. I mean, Gotham, it's it's like a thing everyone always says, but like, oh, Gotham is its own character. But I, I've, again, not since like the original Tim Burton yeah. film has Gotham truly felt like a character yeah, and has a, this sort of like comic book world come to life in such a vivid mm-hmm. way. It's just so good. And then also yeah. the reason why I have it on this list is, you know, we talk about what films impact the impact they have on us. This film made me go on a Batman bender. Whoa. I watched all the rest of the live action films and a bunch of the animated films had Shit. me thinking about like, did you watch long... the Red Hood? Oh, I sure did. Uh, Red Hood's you know, the best. It is. It's so good. It is good. So good. I had seen it. Up. I had seen it oh. before, but I rewatched it during this bender, and I was. Uh, it is fantastic. It is great. Um, and so, yeah, that that was what this film inspired me to do. So, it's a big credit to it. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Batman by number seven. I gotta say, I'm upset. Why? I'm upset with that answer. Why? I'm upset because Banshees of Inisherin was in your honorable mentions because you didn't like the, the way that the end sort of fizzled out. Yes. And let me tell you, the Batman. You didn't like the way the end fizzled out? One of the la- worst last acts <laughs> of any of the movies I saw last year. It's a good movie, but that end, and you know it, is bad. I don't think I entirely agree with that. I think there are parts to it that I can see maybe where you're nah. like what you dislike about it. But I think the way that he ties together the character arc, again, there's like that one decision he makes of like doing the big sacrifice, but it really wasn't a big sacrifice. Um, and they, you know, made it so dramatic when he just, it was fine. and <laughs> It wasn't that serious, but I think that that flare shot of him leading the people out, uh, in the flooded arena, that's fantastic. I didn't again, say it didn't look good. Well, it, it looks good, good, good throughout. I'm saying what it looks good, but what it represents as well of him switching from being vengeance to being hope. Like I think that is that was so beautifully communicated. So for me, like that stuff works. Like the way he was able to complete that character arc, I think is what makes it a strong finale. Um, yeah, but Incel Riddler and his little Incel followers, come on. Yeah, you're mentioning that. I do think the. The way to make him an all right influencer, I thought that approach was interesting. It was fresh. I liked it. It was a, it was worth a shot, I guess, but it did not. You like apparently don't like it. I do like that. the The issue I have with the Riddler stuff is I just think it goes over the top at certain parts, like part blowing of- up all of Gotham. Yeah, <laughs> flooding Gotham when his whole idea was that he wanted to save Gotham, and he's like, yeah. "My final act will be destroying the thing I've spent the whole movie trying to save." It's kind of stupid. <laughs> I mean, agreed, yes. But we can overlook that for all the other no. reasons. <laughs> no! 
so yeah again there were parts of riddler's justice for jenny the donkey wasn't the best for me but there was a lot of other elements to it that i was really fond of and yeah maybe it's fine it's a good movie Mm -hmm. all right and my number six film is avatar the way of Ah, water wow i thought it'd be higher this was well i did i thought so too i when i had my working list earlier in the year i had Mm -hmm. reserved a spot in the top three for avatar the way water that's how it was gonna gonna land there didn't Mm -hmm. quite land there but it got close but i mean yeah we've talked in great detail about it in that other show so i won't belabor here but once again the spectacle that he delivers is fantastic Mm-hmm. He's able to put some fresh spin, fresh spins on some familiar things from the original. Of course, He's introduced some new characters that I'm really looking forward to following with Loak and Kiri. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, and of course the action is super. James Cameron is yeah, he's top notch when it comes to that. That yeah. whole third act final battle was so pristine, so Pretty epic. Yeah. yeah. The whale I mean, water. watching a watching watching the whale just destroy that boat, awesome, epic, absolutely incredible. Yeah. We are PyCon supporters here. Oh, for sure. All right, so that is my ten through six. Yeah, this is where things get a little interesting. This is Ooh. where uh, I'm shaking things up a bit, and you're gonna you're gonna start getting a little confused. Okay, there's some movies. There's some movies in my top five that you didn't know I watched. Ooh. So we're going to get some surprises in here. Number five, not much of a surprise, Banshees of Inishir. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, talk I think, to me about this because I haven't heard your thoughts on it at all. I think it was always destined to be in the top five. I mean, oh, it's Martin McDonough, it's Colin Farrell, and it's uh, Brendan Gleeson, and it's in Ireland, and it's great. I mean, any movie that was originally supposed to be a play that gets adapted into a movie – I'm already going to love it. I mean, it's just, it's acting and dialogue. That's what it's going to be. And that's what this was. And that's what I was looking forward to. And it delivered for sure. I mean, the performances, fantastic. The, the dialogue, fantastic. The scenery, fantastic. There were some choices that I would say I like from a sense, a point of like, it's ironic that you set it up that way, but I don't really understand what it means. I mean, like the, the choice of having a uh, Barry Cogan's character like find the hook and be like, "What's the hook for? What do they use this hook for?" And in the <laughs> sure. end, it's the hook that they use to dig his body out of the river. Mm-hmm. I think, ironically, I think it's very funny and I think it's very clever, but I don't really know what it means. Like, I don't think it sticks the landing to the point where I'm like, "I get it." Sure. There's like enough imagery to where I could make a connection in terms of like the banshee that's living on the other side of the lake and like his desire to be in love with Colin Farrell's sister. Like there's some things you can put there, but it doesn't quite stick the landing for that part of the storyline, which I mm-hmm. wish it had. Um, Carrie Condon. Fantastic. I mean, she's great in this movie. Absolutely. Oh my God. She's killing it. I love her. I think she's great. Uh, Colin Farrell blows my mind. How good he is. He really, I, yeah, those eyebrows, the don't transformation, quit. the They're transformation fantastic. he goes through in this movie. I mean, I think the thing I love about it is that it's a pretty stupid premise. It's it's two <laughs> friends in like 1910s Ireland who just one of them just doesn't want to be their friend anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty stupid premise. And like the lengths that it goes to and then it ends up going to is pretty great. I mean, I'm just thrilled by it. I love Brendan Gleeson's pursuit of art and his willingness to mutilate himself in order to preserve that art. 
and like how that sort of affects his friendship with Colin Farrell. I think that's all great. The dynamic is great. Watching him teach the kids how do you play his song on the violin when he has no fingers. I think that's pretty great. <laughs> I think Jenny the donkey, fantastic. There's just so many good things. The bit where um, Colin Farrell sends the one dude away by telling him his father got hit by a bread truck. And it turns out his mother also got hit by a bread truck. I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> that was hilarious, yeah. There's just so many things. Like, I mean, it made me laugh. It, it made me tense. It, it evoked so many emotions out of me. And I will say, yes, the third act kind of falters a little bit because they don't quite stick the landing with the messages. But I do like the ending. I like that they end up being like sort of friends. I like that they kind of get that aggravation out. I'm glad that Colin Farrell has a bit of a happy ending because he really gets put through the ringer in this movie. I mean, oh my God. It's so sad. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that eventually it ends up in sort of a decent way. I'm glad the dog doesn't die. I love the sequence of him burning the house down. I think it's great. Right. I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed it. Gotcha. I think cool. it's a very good movie. I don't think it's brilliant. I think In Bruges is brilliant. I think In Bruges, through and through, hilarious, well-written, fantastic. It's his masterpiece. I think this is close. Nice. I'll so, have to in, check yeah. out In Bruges then. Yeah. Number four. This is where we're shaking it up a bit. Argentina 1985. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah. surprised about this. Oh, yeah. A movie that I did not know existed until it won the Golden Globe last week. I had not heard about this movie before. I didn't know what it was. And I was surprised that it beat Decision to Leave. Like, I know that the Golden Globe sometimes shakes things up. And I was surprised to see that one. And so I was like, all right. I'll, like, seeing the little clips of it they had in the Golden Globe, I was like, it shot really well. I'll give it a shot. So I watched half of it last night. And I watched the other half this morning when I woke up. Ooh. Ooh, it's good. I'm a sucker for legal drama. I'm such a sucker for legal drama. I'm a sucker mm -hmm. for political intrigue. And it is combining both of those. And oh my God, A, shot incredibly well. One of, the, one of the best, if not the best shot movies of last year, the way that they set it in 1980s Argentina is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's flawless. The, the performance is really, really good. I think the weakest part is the dialogue. And the pacing, it doesn't quite stick the landing. It feels kind of Oscar baity a little bit because of that. Mm. But because it's shot so beautifully, it gets away with it to where I'm not paying attention enough to like the Oscar baitiness of it. I'm just so blown away by how beautiful it is. And also the story blows my mind. Blows my mind that I did not know that Argentina had a dictatorship that was this bloodthirsty and awful for uh, six or seven years in the late 70s and early 80s. And blows my mind that I didn't know that those dictators were put on trial. Like... And tried in a, in a civil court, like a civilian court, right. instead of like a military court. Like, that's crazy that they went through and did that. And, I mean, just exciting. Exciting and passionate and fun. Very good. I really, really enjoyed it. I think you should watch it. It's free on Prime. Really good. I was blown away. I'll definitely sure. catch, I'll catch it uh, before the Oscars. Yeah. Come I'm out. such a sucker for legal dramas. I'm such a sucker. So good. And finally, number three in the five through threes, After Sun. Whoa. Oh, my God. So oh, you, yeah. you did get to see it. When? I watched oh. it. I finished it five minutes before we started recording. <laughs> I watched it today. That's Ooh, great. it's good. Ooh, it's real good. I mean, it's it's a little slow. It's definitely a slow burn. 
but the the performances for Paul Mescal and uh, what's her name? Frankie Coiro. Is that her name? No, she's sure. great. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's incredible. One of the best child performances of the last decade and a half, probably. Paul Mescal is really good. It's all about like, it's like, it's like a, it's like evoking the feeling of a memory in a really interesting way. And it's really like heartbreaking and emotional. And it's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought there would be like, I don't know, more story to it, like more plot, but it's really just them on vacation. And it was really good. It was slow for sure. It was definitely a lot, mm-hmm. but I mean, just the way that it ends is just so beautiful and so heartbreaking and sad and left up to such an interpretation. Like you could really, it's really left up to a very strong, like you could just guess what it means, what it means to you as a person, how that affects you. What, and like what it means to you is not what it meant to the filmmaker. I forget her name, but it clearly just means so much to her. Something about it is just something so emotional to her that it stands out as very, very important. And it feels like the weight of it feels important throughout. And that's really, really good. Like it feels so personal. And it was just very entertaining to watch because of that. Like I love watching filmmakers get as personal as they possibly can, even if it's super slow paced like this, just opening up and just giving everything, every part of you to a film is just so gorgeous to watch. Like you could, you could feel the filmmaker's heart in the movie and that's gorgeous. Also mm-hmm. really well shot as well. Really gorgeously shot, beautiful, kind of slice of lifey a little bit, like Richard Linklater, but definitely more realistically slice of life, like realistically, like just watching them do normal things like dry laundry and things like that, mm-hmm. but entertaining nonetheless. And I liked it and it was good. Wow. So it you just finished it today and it secured a top three spot? It did. That's fantastic. It was between After Sun and Argentina 1985 and it was hard to pick. But I think I liked After Sun just a little more because it was a little more emotional and it was a little more like artistic and well thought out. As, as entertaining as the story was for Argentina 1985, mm-hmm. it wasn't as uh, flawless in terms of like character arcs and like the emotionality of it. But it definitely hits. Definitely hits hard. Definitely top four. But After Sun, oof, good movie. Gotcha. Your turn. All right. So my number five. Is Babylon? Oh, Damien Chazelle. Shit. You yes, liked sir. it. You know, I'm a big fan of Chazelle. Absolutely of love La La Land. Love Whiplash. I really like First Man. And I, I believe this was my number one most anticipated film of the year. I think it was. I think so. Yeah. So I was absolutely looking forward to this. And then I hear about all of these polarizing responses to it. It gets hit with a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. It goes Scary. from being like one of the major frontrunners in the award season race to now it's not even being nominated in certain places, mm-hmm. which is shocking to me after having seen it and also sad for me in the, yeah. the Oscar draft. But yeah, certainly. I watched this film and the more that I've thought about it, because I've only seen it once and I do honestly, I want to go and see it again. Because the more that I talked about it, yeah, that'd be great. The more I've talked about it, the more I've thought about it, it has grown and grown in my estimation. It is fantastic. I mean, undeniably, no matter what anyone 
I think takes away from the story. It's no doubt that the technical craftsmanship on display here is just top tier. Mm-hmm. Like it's off the charts. I feel like it would be. Giselle is a one of a kind director, really. I mean, he is uh, in the highest echelon that you can be. And just every few minutes, I mean, there's something crazy going on. There's a wonder early on in the film that I can't even begin to imagine all the planning and rehearsals and practice and whatnot yeah. that went into that. Um, but he's extremely audacious and ambitious with this film, the most he's ever been. And that's saying something with a lot of his previous work. Um, the There are certain moments in this film, like sequences, that mm-hmm. I think are pitch perfect. Like it's yeah. one of those rare moments where you can sense yourself being 100% engaged Mm-hmm. and you can't imagine like any other version of what's before you that could be better like this is it like this is mm-hmm. the maximum capacity uh and he's operating at that for like multiple multiple sequences in the film it hits that yeah uh, and i think again there's a lot of big swings he's taking he's being very bold with the film i think that's where a lot of the divisiveness came in as some of the stuff may fall flat or just the way that the energy the frenzy the mania that he's trying to sustain for so long might become exhaustive to people but for me i mean i was with the ride and it's just so impressive to see that he is i mean for so much of it he is able to sustain Mm -hmm. that and then of course when it comes time for him to slow it down a bit i think those moments worked maybe not quite as well Mm -hmm. um like there are some things with the character arcs it's a ensemble piece and with some of the characters i feel like there are gaps in their stories despite it being like a three-hour film it feels very evident that there's parts missing mm-hmm. and so that felt a little distancing i would have liked to had a better idea of what was going on with characters at certain points in their progression mm-hmm. so i think that's probably the biggest drawback for me but again so much of what's going on in this film all the stuff they had to balance for it is remarkable Mm. the ending of the film as well that was a big divisive moment um but i think for me it works so well the film as a whole the Mm. way that chazelle described it which i think is just so perfect is that it's a hate letter to hollywood and a love letter to movies and i think that final montage 100 percent captures it um you know gives that idea that despite all the debauchery and horrors of hollywood that the magic of movies endure and it's worthwhile and being a part of that even for just a little bit um is a fantastic experience so i think so funny because la la land was such a love letter to hollywood it was yeah and that's another aspect about this film it's in conversation with so many iconic films in hollywood like singing in the rain um there's it references the the whole bit of like, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Remember that part? Yeah. It references that multiple times, and and which I think is so clever and fascinating, which I only realized through talking with Sebastian, yeah. um, a frequent guest on our show, um, talking with him about it, is he has multiple different iterations of that like phrase come up, and each time he's aiming for a different emotional response out of the audience. Like one time it's meant to be comedic um, and you're supposed to take it as that. Another time it's meant to be more like bittersweet and melancholic. 
because the way it's taken in the story itself is not received in the way that it was intended. Hmm. Um, in another way, it's meant to be sentimental and passionate and we as the audience take it as that. Like that stuff, the way he's able to be in dialogue with major Hollywood works that are about this era, like this transition into the talkies, that's just amazing. And mm. he's in conversation with his own work. Like there's the score for Babylon. I don't know if you listen to it, but there are mm. motifs in it that are pretty much motifs from La La Land. And that's very oh, much shit. intentional. Like he's playing on this idea of his own past works exploration of Hollywood as this amazing thing and that mm. romanticism that's attached to it. And here he's like avidly deconstructing that while still wanting to preserve the idea that the art that is made is meaningful, um, even though so much soul-crushing stuff happens to the artists that try to be a part of this machine that has taken over this Interesting. art. So it's a beautiful film. Again, the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, I'm, I fall more in love with it. So mm. yeah, it honestly, I mean, it could have risen even higher on this list. You never know. Um, yeah. If I had that second viewing. So I'm excited to see it again. Yeah. I definitely think this is going to be reclaimed as like a misunderstood masterpiece uh-huh. within a couple of years. Um, Interesting. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that because it is great for me. I Fascinating. Love Fascinating. Number four. All right. My number four is one that you may not have heard of or seen. Hmm. Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Oh, I heard of it. You have heard of it? Yeah, yeah I just didn't see it. With, uh, with uh, Dakota Johnson? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So this indie coming-of-age film, I absolutely loved it. It is so endearing and so charming. It's about, and it also, I mean, part of why it hit so much for me, again, talking about like the impact that film's had on you. Mm-hmm. It's about this 22-year-old who just graduated college and is now trying to figure out what to do with his life. And I wow. saw it in April <laughs> as yeah. I was about to become a graduated 22 year old trying to figure out what to do with his life. So it is just one of those things, right time, right place. Yeah. Um, And just seeing the journey that this character goes on. um, He's, he basically becomes a party starter for like bar mitzvahs, um, which is an interesting little job, but his whole, like his whole thing is he's being, a people pleaser like he's helping other people enjoy their lives or get their lives in orders and isn't necessarily focusing on his own and progressing with that um and then he also gets taken by uh dakota johnson's character who's 10 years older than him and has a child um but he starts you know falling in love with her or the idea of her and trying mm-hmm. to um make something happen there and so it's just a really like again, like mostly just a slice of life thing, but it's so charming, so heartwarming. A lot of the relationships that he has in the film with like Dakota Johnson's daughter, who's autistic mm-hmm. and is played by an actual um, actress with autism. So it has good yeah. representation there, but that's good. such a wholesome relationship. Um, his relationship with his little brother, um, who's in middle school, that's really sweet. His relationship with his mom, is also one that, I mean, that hit close to home of like some of the conversations that they had. I was like, this is extremely similar. Like that is crazy stuff. So it's, again, it's those beautiful moments in film where you're able to connect with other people and you, yeah, you realize 
that certain experiences can be universal in a way. So yeah, all of that stuff just hit close to home. It was really mm-hmm. powerful. Um, I remember being struck by the film. I saw the Indian and then I came out and just sat in my car for like 10 minutes, just thinking about the film before Damn. I even started driving. Um, so yeah, it was, it's just a pleasant film. I think it has a lot to offer. Um, so yeah, one to look out for. Cha-cha, real definitely, smooth. Definitely try and find it somewhere. All right. And then my number three. I'm excited. This is one that surprisingly you did not like too much. Or at least oh. just not enough to get it onto your top ten. Oh, shit. But for me, The Fablemans is number three. Oh, shit. Why? Steven Spielberg. Why are you saying why? <laughs> I want to know. Like, not like why, like I'm upset. Like, why? Like, explain. Sorry. Okay. My, my tone was a little off. It what? was. I was like, wow, you, you're you rebuking me and Mr. Spielberg? No, I, mean, I would is... never. You know I love Steven. I mean, of course, yeah. Our Lord and Savior in cinema. Um, exactly. He is fantastic, even in his old age. And him finally visiting his own life and his own childhood yeah. and telling that story and confronting his family issues, which I'm very well documented that many of his films are him consciously or unconsciously trying to work through those family issues, especially with his father. And now he has decided to go straight on for it with a semi-autobiographical film. I mean, he calls the kid Sammy Fableman instead of Steven Spielberg, but of course it is his life. Um, and so just getting to see that and i know you had talked about this in your review when you had seen it Mm -hmm. um but for me personally i do think that he was looking at the messy situation with his family and being very vulnerable and not being converted i agreed well you said that you said there were some parts where he was like i was talking about the high school stuff i was talking about everything that has to do with the whole high school arc and like the third act i felt like was like distracting from what i really wanted to get into Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, for me, I, I did enjoy the, the high school stuff. I saw what you were saying about like, yeah, it does sort of veer away from the family stuff. But I think it is important as well of him figuring out his own life and then the stuff with like his newfound girlfriend there that because of all the family turmoil, yeah, he's got this warped view of like love now. And so he's trying to, he's like, we're not going to be together. And she's like, bro, I'm going to college we're going to move away. Like, no, this wasn't ever meant to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of that stuff, I think it works really well. Um, and yeah, I think it is a really emotionally nuanced and complex look at his family and him trying to come to terms with, with his feelings about it back then and looking back on it, what his feelings are now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also, of course it's Spielberg. And so we get those moments of him as a child and as a teen, working in film and i think Mm -hmm. it's uh, amazing to see how that was tied in with the family plot and him discovering the power of filmmaking for him to try and gain control like it is Mm -hmm. sort of an escape and a coping mechanism for him but he also discovers that it has the power to reveal truth Mm -hmm. such as with his family stuff which by the way that was a fantastic scene like one all-timer scene of him editing the camping trip yeah figuring that out Um, but also the power of film to influence others and influence how others are perceived 
and how they might perceive themselves. So that ties in with the bully in the high school arc. Um, and so because, you know, that sets up that sort of revelation that he's having, that big fight they have in the hallway of, he's like, why would you make me look like a hero? Um, and then Sammy's trying to come to terms with like, well, why did I do that? Because um, there could be various various reasons for that. Um, and it's, again, him figuring out how much power he does have as a filmmaker when he's able to point that camera and create a narrative out of it. So that's another reason why I think I enjoyed the high school plot a lot because it tied in yeah. with that element as well. Um, so yeah, I think for all those reasons, it's fantastic. The little nods that we do get to Spielberg's like tips and tricks and his directing style thing, little things like the puncturing the film stock to get mm-hmm. the muzzle flash when he was trying to make the Western and then yeah. him even directly calling out his reaction shot that he does like the big famous Jurassic Park reaction shot where we see oh yeah their faces before we see the dinos mm-hmm. I thought all that was great um and yeah I think it he leans into sentimentality for sure and I can see how for some like the big performances that are going on um like things might feel over the top or cheesy but for me it worked I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. and what an ending oh what yeah fantastic the last scene is the best scene in the movie, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a David fantastic Lynch surprise. kills it. <laughs> he does. And then a cheeky final shot, too, just to go along with it. Oh, Him yeah. Adjusting for the horizon. That is just so It's pretty amazing. great. It's pretty yeah. great. That's a great way to end the movie. Uh, ah, yeah. David Lynch is so good. Absolutely. What so, a yes. good casting choice. It is. It's fantastic. Oh, so Spielberg man. absolutely still has it. He's got the magic touch. And for me, Fablemans, it worked so well on every yeah. level. It was powerful, touching, inspiring, enriching. It was everything. I enjoyed it. Okay. Okay. All right. So now you're on your number two. Your runner-up. This. This is the shock of the night. Another this is the shock. biggest shock of the oh night. Oh, my gosh. What is it going to be? All year long. There was one movie. Wait, this actually would be a crazy shock. Hold on. That stood above all else. If this is going where I think it's going. There was one movie that I touted above all others as being the best movie of 2022. Yeah. And just under the wire in the last possible moment, it got usurped. So my number two is everything, everywhere, all at once. This is the biggest shock ever. Can you believe it? Then... I mean, I I touted everything ever all at once more than any other person on the planet. I was praising it before it could even be praised. I told everybody about it. I saw it in theaters several times. I've seen it several times since. I tried to get everybody to watch it. I thought it was the best thing ever, and it still is. It's still fantastic. It's still amazing. But it's number two now. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Now, I don't want to get too deep into everything ever all at once. Cause I feel like I've just beaten a dead horse to even further death <laughs> with this thing. Right. If you really want to go and hear more about me, talk about everything ever all at once. I think I talked about it in a grab bag and really no, we like, had a, we dedicated an episode to it. We dedicated an episode. episode too. Yeah. It so is. We, go we back and listen to that episode because I just, I mean, I've, I've really, I think I, I pontificated exactly why I loved it so much in that episode. And my feelings were more fresh and more in the moment than they are now. Cause I haven't seen it in several months. Still amazing. 
still incredible, heartwarming, heartbreaking. Just the manipulation of my emotions in every scene is so phenomenal. The humor is fantastic. The action is peak. The story is just so fucking original. So Mm -hmm. fucking mind-blowingly original that it's incredible. And just the performances, to top it all off, are killer. Kihi Kwan, man, killing it. He's going to get an Oscar. He's going to win an Oscar. I'm telling you. Michelle Yao. Fantastic. Has a chance to beat Kate Blanchett, possibly. That would be a that would be mind blowing. She's incredible in it too. Jamie Lee Curtis. Hilarious. So fucking funny. I mean, just the whole thing is just firing on all c- cylinders perfectly. Like literally perfect. If there was a movie last year that I could say is close to being a perfect movie, it would be this one, for sure. But it's not number one. That is insane to me that's crazy yeah i told you big shot coming up what's your number two wow okay so my number two is top gun maverick i fucking knew it would be because there's oh, no yes. way it was gonna be number one that's wow you really fucking love top gun i mean it was a five-star film so it was yeah definitely it was could great. have gotten in number one if not for another film this year but top gun maverick i mean top just gun as you said maverick. it is the ultimate blockbuster it is fan it's able to play on all the nostalgia but it doesn't need it Mm -hmm. on its own it works as a fantastic phenomenal film yeah it's got incredible visceral action as you pointed out before i mean it has true character work that makes you feel gets you invested everything between maverick and rooster i mean that Mm -hmm. dynamic is great maverick and iceman again playing on some of the sentimentality you would have for Mm -hmm. the relationship in the original film. And again, like Tom Cruise actually acts his butt off in that film. Hopefully once he stops saving Mm -hmm. cinema and being our last remaining action star, he can get a proper role to use all his acting chops because he's fantastic. Honestly, yeah, he's a great actor. He is. But once again, I mean, for now, why we still got him to run around and drive on motorcycles and Mm -hmm. get up in a, Jump plane off and pull nine G's and yeah, Jesus Christ. jump off clips, all that. Yeah. He can stick around doing these blockbusters because they are fantastic. I mean, this they is are. what you want out of a blockbuster. Oh my God, Mission Impossible is going to be so good. Um, I know it's going to be fantastic, but yeah, this I one. I forgot that was coming out this year. Mm-hmm. But this, uh, just so good. Uh, the best action since the most recent Mission Impossible, I would say mm-hmm. possibly even better. I'd have to go rewatch Fallout. And it's definitely not better, check. but it's close. It's very but close. Even so, I mean, I think it's even more impressive that in planes, because that's what I was thinking earlier it in the year. Impressive. I was like, it's more how, impressive. How are they going to be able to make that feel so palpable, so tense, get you on the edge of your seat? And they do it. It's so amazing. And part of that yeah. is because of the practical effects. They actually have these actors in oh, these sure. planes as they're doing that stuff. The yeah. editing that they do, again, we've talked mm-hmm. about it compared to the original Top Gun. I mean, it's just so much yeah, more easier to follow. It should win best film editing. It should. I would argue. Yeah, it is. Fantastic. It's not easy to make that, to no. get you engaged into this and make it make sense visually, but they pulled it off. They did. Um, it's such Incredible. an enjoyable, pleasant film. Everything about it, as you mentioned, I mean, Jennifer Connelly, amazing. She mm-hmm. should be in everything. The oh, yeah. the rest of the supporting cast, like you mentioned, Glenn Powell, all of them. I mean, Star Turns, really. It's fantastic. Top Gun Maverick. I also saw it in 4DX. Oh my god, I missed it. I watched it twice before then, then I said, I'm going to go number three, I'm going to see it in 4DX. 
and it's just so good. What a great theatrical experience. Maybe they'll put it back in 4DX for the Oscars. Maybe, hopefully. Because there's not not any other big action things out right now except Avatar, so maybe they'll put it back. If they do, I will absolutely go see it in 4DX. I've never done 4DX before. You got Not once. They, uh, (laughs) when Miles Teller does his little shimmy during the beach scene, they move the chairs for that. (laughs) That's amazing. They don't, but they should. We should make that happen. Fuck you. you. It would be amazing if they did that. Just a little shake. Mm -hmm. Get me going. (laughs) But yeah, Top Gun Maverick, fantastic. And also talk about the impact. I mean, you saw the noticeable uptick in people walking around with a little stash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did that. Are you kidding? I know. Yeah. I was rocking a stash for a while because of that movie. (laughs) One of my coworkers called me Miles Teller when I had that stash. (laughs) Not even kidding. There you go. That's the impact of Top Gun Maverick. Fantastic. Best blockbuster of the year. Brought the stash back into society. Sure did. That's a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So now go ahead and give us your number one. I think you need to go first. You need I think to you go need first. To give your number one first because my number one is going to be like a magic trick. <laughs> a magic trick. You'll okay. see why. It'll be like a can, magic trick. Will you allow me to guess it? I will allow you to guess, but first do your number one. Okay. And it, it's got it. There's only one movie left. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, as you I mean, said, it's, gotta it's be. the one that's been touted as a top since the oh, beginning yeah. of the year. It is everything, everywhere. All at once. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's your number one and not mine. That's crazy. I really thought it was going to end up being number two for you. We'll put it at number one. Well, it's been number one ever since we had that episode. As we talked about in that, I believe, I saw it the first time and I really loved it, but I was oscillating between a 4.5 and a 5 just Mm -hmm. because I was, there were some lingering elements and it's, it's just so much going on in that film. I was yeah. like, I need a second viewing to make sense of all of it. And then when I saw it that second time, everything just clicked. Everything I loved before, loved even more. Everything that didn't quite click, absolutely did that second time. This is a an absolute masterpiece. It is a film that has everything. Like, it has everything you could want out of a film. It is profound. It's fun. It's sincere. It's emotionally rich. It's thought-provoking. It's original, as you pointed out. It's so original. It's using the multiversal concept to its highest potential it is just fantastic it's amazing Mm. it's so creative Mm. in every element of filmmaking as well like the editing all the visual effects that are going on which again made by like a ragtag team not this huge industrial complex company that marvel or like avatar which again are great achievements but to have just a small group of people doing something like this and it is so well done, well executed. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Uh, again, and that crea- creativity just shines through everything in the filmmaking, the direction, the camera work, the editing, all of that stuff, the costuming. It's just everything, as you said, firing on all cylinders. Absolutely. It is such an accomplishment. And again, the fact that there's so much going on, there's so many storylines, so many characters, there's multiple variations of all these characters. Mm-hmm. so many different dimensions and you have to keep track of all of them it could yeah. fall apart in a million different ways but it doesn't it all coalesces it comes together mm-hmm. it sticks the landing it is so phenomenal as you pointed out the performances mm-hmm. 
I mean, Kiki Kwan absolutely deserves that Oscar. Oh my God, he's so good. What Dude, a great just, return! Just the just the uh, the in the mood for love sequence where he's just outside and has the high frame rate, and he's in the suit, and he's just talking about how he would he would want he would be okay running a laundromat with her. Oh mm-hmm. my God, dude! That speech alone, alone, is an Oscar. Let alone the rest of that performance. Oh, he's so good in this movie. I know. Yeah, it's mind blowing. That's so fantastic. Michelle Yeoh being able to put all of her talents to use, not just like the fighting and the martial arts that she has, but being able to show her range as mm-hmm. an actress. True emotional heft. She's so good. Exactly. True dramatic heft using mm-hmm. her comedy as well. I mean, all of that is fantastic. Jamie Lee Curtis, of course. Stephanie Sue. All, everyone. Everyone part of this cast. James Gong. Oh, yeah. Like everyone. Fantastic. Oh, so it's good. amazing. Perfectly done. And all the characters... Yeah. I want to be rocking tonight. I really arcs do. or contributing to the theme, and what a great theme it is! Again, there's many yeah. different things you can take away, but I mean, yeah, that central idea of rejecting the nihilism, not falling into that, even though, especially at our time in this world, in the modern age, everything's connected, everything is hyper stimulating, everything's going on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's okay to just take a step away, take a breather, and then realize what are the important things in life, who is in mm-hmm. your life that you care about. And then focus in on that because that's yeah. what matters most. And you can make meaning in your life out of that. The whole idea of nothing oh. matters. So screw life. It's meaningless. No, we can make our own meaning in life. And the way that this film explores that theme mm-hmm. and truly engages with it and has everything, again, the concept, all the characters, everything is dedicated to that. And it nails it, delivers on that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love it so much. It's one of the every there's so many scenes, so many moments, so many lines that are incredibly memorable. As you pointed out, the like Wong Kar Wai inspired thing of him saying in another life, I'd be happy just doing laundry and taxes with you. Oh my god, Come dude, cry, so cry, crying. Exactly. Crying. That's oh, fantastic. Man. Everything like the the moments where the like dynamic colored lighting is mm-hmm. playing on her face and it's doing the cross cutting between her in this dimension and all the other mm-hmm. dimensions, like all that stuff yeah. actually reconnects so with Wayman and like falls back in love. And then oh, also the, so the whole good. bit about Wayman. And again, it's like the whole like, well, just be kind. But the way that they convey that theme through Wayman's where, I mean, I don't know how, how anyone in the audience couldn't fall in love with him and his character oh, and his so perspective wonderful. on life. Yeah. And how he's like, this is not just like me being naive. This is, the way that I survive because everything else in this world is terrible and horrible and cruel technique. Exactly. And so why not be kind? Why not be the thing that is able to fight against that? And you do it Uh, through kindness. So so that's just beautiful. Again, it's, it's so ambitious and it's able to achieve on everything it's going for. It's amazing. Like this is a film. It feels like a milestone film that will influence generations to come. Like it is Mm -hmm. our, matrix like this is what it felt like for them to go in and see that film this is just amazing head and shoulders above the rest of the films mm-hmm. in this year i mean a true masterpiece it will be one that i revisit countless times mm-hmm. and as you said just want to show everyone that i possibly can because there's as i said everything you could want out of a film it's in yeah. here it is everything everywhere all at once beautiful masterpiece yeah. yeah now 
for the big event of the night, my number one pick. If it's not everything everywhere at once, Ryan, what do you think it is? What is your one guess? So I will have one guess. I will venture, and I believe I'm right. If I'm not, then this will be yeah, truly the no biggest way shock right. of all there's time. There's no way you're correct. There's no way? There's no way. Then I'll just be stunned. What Come dethroned on. What, everything everywhere at once? Guess. I'm going to say it was decision to leave. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Well, I you guess. got it. <laughs> it had to be the one. You ruined my magic trick. What was the magic? Well, my magic trick was uh, you are notoriously not the best at opening messages in a quick manner. Okay. And at 11 a.m. this morning, I texted you and I said, on our shared box office show Prime account, I got a movie free trial to watch Decision to Leave in case you wanted to watch it. I texted you that at 11 this morning. And then earlier in the show today, you were like, None, neither of us got to watch Decision to Leave. Oh. And I was like, oh, he did not open the Snapchat. So he's, I didn't think you, what made you guess Decision to Leave? Oh, wow. What made so you figure was, that I watched it? It was two things. Mm-hmm. One, because, well, technically, I guess, yeah, when I said neither of us watched it, you could have had that be your statement, but you didn't bring it up in the mm-hmm. blind spots. And then two, mm-hmm. The big reason that I knew it was going to be this when you said it wasn't everything all at once. I don't know if you've noticed, every single one of your number one films has been a foreign film this in is East true. Asia. So I was like, the Korean film, like Parasite, <laughs> and the East Asian film that we haven't brought up that's a foreign film oh, is right. Decision to Leave. So I was like, it's got to be that one. I have very, I very much been very fond of the East Asian films of the last yeah. few years. I thought Parasite, Drive My Car, <laughs> you and, now, and now Decision, decision to Leave. To leave. I thought oh, this year man. it was going to be you're going to break that spell. You thought and choose an American film, um, and it would have been the first time as well that we would have the same number one. But yeah. in the ninth hour, you yeah. came up the last second. I watched it today. Switcheroo. That's amazing. All right, so talk yeah. to me because again, it was one that I desperately wanted to watch. I know it's got like Hitchcockian influences and whatnot. Which during our Hitchcock episodes, we've talked about mm-hmm. how we both heavily enjoy that. So talk to me about decision to leave. I said, I talked about, I talked about when I watched Argentina 1985, I liked it because I'm a sucker for legal films and I'm a sucker for political intrigue, Mm -hmm. but there is nothing that I am a sucker for more than really well done murder mysteries. Nothing, nothing beats a really good murder mystery. And this is it because it's not even about the murder. It's about the characters and they're just so well written. Oh my God. They're so well written. It's so well done. The the way that it's filmed is so like almost cartoonish, but fantastic, like flawless. It's it's jarring. It's very jarring. I guess you could say it's Tishkakian because the way that it's cut and edited makes it very hard to follow at certain points intentionally. And I love that. It makes me think. It makes me try and put things together. It makes me try and make connections. And I love that. I love that it's making me do work while I'm watching it. I fucking love it. I die for this shit. Oh my god! And on top of that, it has like the intrigue of of love and affairs, and and like the drama that goes behind it, and everything. And then everything turns out to be about that. Oh my god! Like everything is like built around everything, and it's just trying not to spoil it for you is hard because it's just so good. Yeah, please don't. It's so well done. Oh my god, it's brilliant. Uh, I love a good murder mystery, and this is it. This is the one. This is the one that 
brought me back into loving murder mysteries because the last few that I've seen have not been very good. I mean, Glass Onion, Knives Out, um, a couple of limited series like uh, Mayor of Easttown, things like that. Not sticking the landing as good as I would like. And Decision to Leave, perfect. Flawless. Did it. Amazing. Wow. Long, long. Two hours and 20 minutes long, and you feel it. They really mm-hmm. use up every second, and they use it well. And I'm loving it. I just love it. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. The acting is so good. <laughs> the dialogue is so good. The The character choices are so good. It's funny at moments. It's very dark at other moments. I mean, it's like it's just such a good noir thing, you know, these, these, this detective. Like, it's, it's kind of – it's almost tropey a little bit. Like, it falls into, like, tropes that so many people try to avoid and try to not fall into because you don't want to be, you know, that person who just does the trope of what a murder mystery is. And this one kind of falls into it, but perfectly falls into it perfectly and gives you something completely original, completely new, just mind blowing. And the only reason, the only reason I put it higher than everything ever all at once mm-hmm. is probably because I had seen it more recently. Let's oh, be yeah. fair. I watched it today and I haven't it's seen everything ever all at once yeah. in months. And I mean, it's still in my mind. Like I watched, I watched uh, Decision to Leave and then afterward ran errands and then watched After Sun, which is also a very emotionally draining film. And Decision to Leave is still on my mind. Like I still can't get it out of my head. It's so mm-hmm. good. God, I just love murder mystery. It's, it's everything I wanted Memories of Murder to be when right. it wasn't. And everything that I love about Mother, it's that too. I mean, oh my God. Korean murder mysteries are just, they're just the best. They're just so good. Something about them just, just the best. I don't know mm-hmm. what I don't know what it is. I don't know what they do. I don't know what's so special about them. The aesthetic of these Korean detectives and like the suits and the trench coats running around, like Korean provinces trying to catch a killer. It's just, I mean, it hits on all cylinders. It's perfect, and I just that paired with really good writing and a really good story and really good acting. I mean. It just landed exactly how I wanted it to land. Beautiful. I had I had a good day today. I mean, I watched Argentina 1985, <laughs> landed really well, then followed with a decision to leave, which killed, and then followed that with After Sun, which was really, really emotional and really good. So I had a killer day today for you sure. Did, wait, you watched 19, Argentina 1985 today as well? I woke up and I finished it today. Like I, oh, I watched half of it last night, and then friends came over to hang out, and I had to turn it off. And then this morning I woke up and finished it. Right, gotcha. God, what a what a good day of movies today. It was. I mean, yeah. yeah. You got Alexa, all of them Alexa, in your top five from just yeah. watching it this past 24 hours. That was and great. Alexa's currently watching A Man Called Otto. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that will end up on her list. For 2023, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Decision to Leave was so good. You have to watch it. It's on our Prime thing. We have the free trial for another week. Just find time and watch it like you have to. It's so good. I know, I know, like it would be so much better in theaters, but God, it's not going to go back in theaters, not for a while. Just watch it. Yeah. You have to. Don't risk missing out. It's so good. It's so good. If I watched everything ever all at once right now, I'd probably put it higher because, I mean, everything you said was correct. It is firing on all cylinders and it is flawless and it is hitting a more emotional point. But, bro, decision to leave is just so well made, so well done. Just so exciting, so thrilling, on the edge of my mm. seat. 
Oh, yeah, God, it was good. It was a good watch. Good stuff. Definitely, All right. definitely pleasant. So let's recap the top ten. So go mm-hmm. ahead and bring us through your ten through one. Oh fuck! Where's my phone? <laughs> it's too dark in this damn room. Oh, it's in my lap. I know. I saw the sun setting. You just were enveloped in darkness. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right. From 10 to 1, Avatar The Way of Water, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Nope, Pinocchio, Banshees of Inishirin, Argentina 1985, After Sun, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Decision to Leave. Okay, in my top 10, Apollo 10 and a half, The Woman King, Fire of Love, The Batman, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Fablemans, Top Gun Maverick, and Everything Everywhere all at once we had very different lists this year we had three repeats i think yeah it was avatar, it was avatar. Top Gun, and everything everywhere yeah that's crazy that is crazy. That's so yeah. wild wow that's cool i was wondering i was before we did this i was wondering if they were going to be very divergent mm-hmm. lists or we we're going to have a lot of the same i figured they would be a lot of the same but yeah, we had well, it's a just, lot of difference. Also, a lot of the movies that were on my list that weren't on yours and a lot of movies that were on your list that weren't on mine are we movies just didn't that see. we yeah. didn't see. Yeah, I think if you and I watched all the movies that were on both of our lists, our lists would become much more similar. I think Fire mm-hmm. of Love would definitely end up on my list. I think Apollo 10 and a half might because I like that kind of shit. And I love that kind of animation. Really well done. I love mm-hmm. rotoscoping. And then uh, what else was on your list? Babylon. Babylon Babylon might end up there because I love Damien Chazelle and I love big budget epic things. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I mean, I'll watch it eventually. So yeah, I think I think our list would become more similar if given the opportunity. But you know, sure. you you would probably put Pinocchio on there, I'm sure. I mean, you would love it. You would love it. You're going to love it. Watch Pinocchio. You would definitely put Decision to Leave on there. You would definitely put After Sun on there. I don't think you would put Argentina 1985 on there. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, at least now we have a good batch of recommended films that we can catch up on. For sure. And of course, our listeners, you too. If you Mm -hmm. didn't uh, go and catch any of the films that we mentioned, we have given them Mm -hmm. high recommendations since they ended up in our top 10. And this year, I mean, I do, I feel like I saw quite a lot of films. So yeah, yeah, it was a good, um, they had to clear a lot to get into the top 10. But yeah, there we go. That's our recap yeah. of 2022. Yeah, that's it. We did it. That's that's all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at theboxofficeshowpod at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. If you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to, and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day.